We are back with another episode on the Holmuth Havila podcast. We're so excited you're here. If you were here last week, you know that we started a series all about women being nurturing powerhouses. If you were not here last week on the podcast, make sure you go listen. That is part one of this series. Today is part two, and Havila is diving more into what that means, all about how Mary's body would be a living sacrifice for Jesus in the same way that his body would be a living sacrifice for us and what it looks like and what happens when a woman walks in her full calling. So make sure you check out the week before if you haven't. If you're back, we're so glad you're here. The next two weeks are powerful and we're so excited to share them with you. So let's dive right in. I lived in a very female home growing up. I had a t- identical twin sister. I have a mom and I have a full Italian dad who's almost a girl. And so we lived a very female home. My Then I got married and I started living with men. I had four babies in five years. So in six years, I had five men in my house. And I would like to tell you, there is distinct differences between a female home and a male home. I won't belabor the point, but I'll give you a few hints. If a woman says that's gross, she means something spilled, something maybe, maybe there's mold, maybe a little blood, that's, that's it, it's gross. When a man says that's gross, it is, it's demonic. It is, you, it's, it's things that you will never come back from. They will show you and you will think, I have to live with that picture for the rest of my life. I remember telling my husband, if you keep showing me these things, it's the last thing I'm gonna see when I get to heaven. Like, I can't stop. If a man, if you ask a man, you know, uh, hey, how you doing? In a girl home, you ask, how you doing? And the girl goes, fine. And then as a woman, we ask again. We say, but really, how are you? Right? That's how girls do it because we're not gonna give you everything in the first ask. Like, you gotta earn this a little bit. You gotta ask, you gotta care. I don't know if you care. You can say, how are you to the mailman? How am I gonna share my heart with you? Ask twice, right? For a man, if you ask him, how are you? And he says, fine, he means fine. It was revolutionary for me. I I had no, I read books, I studied. I I mean, I'm like, is this really real? Like, is it fine? Because I feel like I might be in trouble. I don't know what's happening. If a woman says, I don't know, it doesn't mean that she doesn't want you to go explore with her. She just means we're gonna go on a journey together to figure out what's wrong. And, and you're gonna guess, and then you're gonna be told that's not what it is, and you're gonna guess again, and it's gonna be told not what it is. And then once you discover what it is, she doesn't want it solved. That's it. So if you try to solve it, again, you will, she will wanna punch you in the face. So please don't solve it. So women and men are very different. If I talk to my kids and if my boys, if I ask them, how are they doing? And they don't want to talk about it. They don't talk about it. They, you cannot bribe them. I have tried. They do not talk when they're ready. They talk. That's how men are. And with women, it's very different. In fact, I have, I'm 44 years old and I've had many friends, lots of girlfriends. I mean, I was in 17 weddings. I have had tons of women in my life, right? And after 44 years of friendships and women and being surrounded by women, I can confidently say that I have never asked one of my friends to kick me in the crotch. (laughs) Not once. 
Not once. My boys? I'm just saying, they do it one time, but they'll do it. They always try one time. Women are safe places on the earth. We keep you alive. So men, don't resist it. She's just trying to keep you alive. And God knew that Mary's body would be a living sacrifice for him in the same way that his body would become a living sacrifice for us. So what happens when a woman walks on her full calling? She creates safe places in dangerous times. In a world that's full of conflict and danger and uh, things that can hurt us, a woman is spending her energy making sure that you are safe, that you have a safe place to land and that you will be alive tomorrow. I want you to turn to the book of Judges chapter four. If you have your Bible with you, don't worry. It's on the screen if you don't and God will judge you for that. <laughs> Three environments that women create, they are so powerful. And I, I know that, you know, when we start talking about men and women and we tend to wanna to compare, like, are we gonna spend the entire Mother's Day talking about, about women? Yes, yes, we are. 70% of the church is, is women. And often what we are directed towards us, messages, uh, a lot of different things have been male directed. So I think it's okay to spend 45 minutes talking about the power of a woman. So three environments that she creates. Well, she creates safe places. That's what a woman does. She creates safe places. And safe means this. Safe, and this is just the classic definition of safe. Safe means protected from or not exposed to danger or risk, not likely to be harmed or lost. It's simple, safe, a safe house means protected from or not exposed to danger or risk, likely to be harmed or lost. This is what the womb does. It protects the infant from danger and risk, harm or loss. It helps. I remember at one point my doctor said to me, you want to take your vitamins and take care of you because your body will give the baby what it needs and you will be the only one that goes without. The body is meant to protect life. It's meant to build life. And if you walk in your full identity as a woman in Christ, you can't help but nurture the world around you. You will not help but create life around you and you will create powerful environments because of it. So women create safe places. Women walk, when a woman walks in her full calling, she creates safe environments. Now, Judges chapter four, I wanna turn there for a minute. I wanna talk about the prophetess Deborah. Now, Deborah, the Bible says in verse four, Judges 4.4, 4, now Deborah, a prophetess and a wife, or the wife. Now, this is important. You just read it and we go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I want you to understand that the author of this passage and if you read commentaries, you'll, you'll discover that they wanted it to be so clear that this was a woman. They named her female, Deborah. They called her a prophetess and they also called her a wife. Three different things, three different facets to her life. She wasn't just a wife. She wasn't just a prophetess. She wasn't just a woman. She had three facets to her life, but they were all feminine. They all had a distinct um, responsibility and a mandate. And so Deborah is judging in the Israel at the time. She's sitting under a palm tree between Rahum and Bethel in the mountains. I love this. 
So she would sit there and she was a judge. She was a prophetess and people had problems and they would come and she would give them insight. She would hear their cases and she would give them a decree, but she was also prophetic, which is a really cool mix, right? So when people had problems, she would know what the word of the Lord was or what God wanted to do. And she's fully in her identity. This wasn't a woman that like, well, they had nobody else. I know you'll read commentaries like, well, you know, everyone thought it was Deborah because nobody else would stand up. You know, I think that everything that happened in scripture was intentional and it was meant to elevate who God is and what he has on the earth. So Deborah was intentionally there to be a prophetess and a wife and to spend time helping the people of God. And it says that Deborah is sitting there and in verse five, she calls, verse four and five, she calls for Barak. Everybody say Barak. Barak is a man and she's sitting there and she's giving people feedback and judging And all of a sudden, she sins for this man. When Barak gets there, she says something to him that gives us insight into what's happening. Deborah calls for him. She has a word of knowledge. Get Barak, bring him here. And then she says to him right away, in the beginning of this verse, she says, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Verse six, has not the Lord of Israel commanded? Now, why is this important? It's important because she's reminding him of what God already said. This isn't a new thought. And if you've been in the prophetic at all and you understand hearing the voice of God, you know that most often what God tells you to say should be confirmation of what he's already speaking. It's an ability to confirm where two or more agree, there he is, where two or more gather. There's a confirmation. If if someone says, you're gonna go to China and you're like, I don't wanna go to China. They don't, as a prophet, say, well, you're going to China, like it or not. No, that's not often how it works. Usually there's something happening inside of you and the prophetic is there to confirm what God is already saying to you. It might be a brand new thought, but in a very short period of time, he will start to confirm it, confirm it, and you'll begin to see why he was saying it over you. And so he literally says to, she says to Barack, um, she says, no, not Barack, Barack. She says to him, um, you know, come, hasn't the Lord already commanded you? Then she says to him, go and deploy. Now, this is really interesting. She reminds him of what the Lord had already spoken and she brings clarity in the midst of confusion. What do women offer to the world? We offer clarity in confusion. And why do we do that? I mean, this is my my own kind of idea, but the three safe places that we offer the world is clarity and confusion. And oftentimes I think the reason we are able to do that is that men have this amazing ability of doing one thing really well. Like I'm with my boys, like one thing really well. Women tend to do more things, not as well, but we do a lot of things at once. And it's amazing. I have my five, my four boys here and my husband. And when they were little, we would be walking down like the mall and there was like an inappropriate picture or, you know, Victoria's Secret. And all I had to say to my boys was, look, an airplane. And all four of them would go, where? And they would all look, right? And it was literally like my best way of like, they just would walk and had no idea that there was anything they were avoiding because their focus was clear. Can I say something? I know the world mocks that, but let me say, it is a superpower for a man. 
The fact that you can focus on one thing and stay there, and when you're in work, you're in your work box, and when you're home, you're in your home box. I mean, it is such a gift. Women, you know, they said men are like boxes and women are like spaghetti. We spider web, everything is connected. When I go to tell Ben a story, I'll say, you remember I was at the grocery store and I saw so-and-so and he goes, okay. And, I, and he goes, you mean the, the wife of this guy? Yeah, okay. And then I'll go, but that's not the point of the story. And then I'll give him another thing, right? So she was talking about gardens. Okay, is it about our garden? No, it has nothing to do with our garden. Stop fast forwarding me, try to follow, let's keep going, right? And pretty soon Ben will say, can you let me know what the main point is so I can relax? Cause I'm afraid I'm gonna miss what's the big deal, right? Right, so he'll just be like, he's like, you're not gonna give it away. I just don't really feel like playing a game right now. So just tell me what it is. We spiderweb, everything connects. They said women, we, we operate in stories. So we see each other at the grocery store and I find out more about your story. Then we skip each other for a while and then maybe the next time I see you, we keep hearing more about the story. And so women weave stories. We know parts, part of the story and then we see each other and we're adding the story. So when we see each other, it's like the story is following their life and you're adding pieces to it around. Guys, do not do that. Guys, guys are like a one episode. Like, did you go to school? You did it? Okay. Like, that's it. Like, there's just not a lot. But I, you know, I look at this and um, Deborah has this amazing ability to see what's going on and rather than being critical or critiquing Barack or reminding him like, hey, remember God spoke to you, idiot? She says, I love it. She's, she's able to see a big picture of all the things that are happening and she's actually able to facilitate the word of God in the midst of confusion. Her words broke through confusion and brought clarity. You as a woman, listen, in today's culture, in the season that you're in, in the businesses that you run, in the families that you lead, in the places that you are, the Spirit of God has anointed you to bring clarity in confusion. He's anointed you to speak certain words to your kids, to your grandkids, to your friends, to your roommates, and you are gonna be able, when you are led and you're creating safe places for others, you are gonna have clarity in the midst of confusion. So Barack says, that, Barack says this to Deborah. She says, you're gonna take 10,000 men and you're gonna go fight and you're gonna win. And I don't know if she says you're gonna win, but she says, you're gonna fight. And then he says this to her. Well, I love this. He says, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Some of you, this is the exact narrative of your conversation with your spouse this morning. No, I'm kidding. This is... <laughs> Don't look around. Um, he says, listen, if you go, I'll go. But if you don't go, I'm not gonna go. And Deborah doesn't criticize him. She doesn't say, you coward. Suck it up. We're all fighting. We need you to do this. Like she doesn't, she doesn't do anything like that. You'll see that this woman was in her full identity. She was in a leadership role and she is, she is committed to Barak being who God's called him to be. So instead of Deborah calling him a loser and walking away, she saw Barak through God's eyes. She saw him as a history maker and she knew that in this moment, she could either write him off or dismiss him or she could go to battle for him. 
and speak out what needed to be said so he could rise to the occasion and become. Oh man, isn't that such a good message? And it's not even over. We have week three coming to you next week. So don't miss it. We're wrapping up this message. We split it into three parts because each part is just so powerful. There's so much to chew on. So make sure you come back for next week. Make sure whatever your favorite part is, we would love to know what resonated with you the most. Take a picture of that part, share it on your social medias, tag us at Truth to Table. And stay tuned because we have some fun things coming up in June and July on the podcast as well. And make sure you make your way back next week. Part three, Nurturing Powerhouses is dropping. So we will see you then. Mm -hmm.